0: Welcome to The Blast Zone, the podcast where we dig up the bombs that shook Hollywood and try to find out why they went up in flames. This week, yes, it's a green glowing space rock, but this one gives powers instead of taking them away. This is The Meteor Man. Welcome, welcome to The Blast zone.
1: Welcome to The Blast
0: zone. I am John Drake, in-house film critic of my Letterboxd account.
1: And I'm Ian Dukes. I'm a person with thoughts and feelings, and some of them are about movies. Movies like The Meteor Man, which we're going to be talking about today. That's right. But before we get into it, how are you doing today, Ian? Ah, you know, I'm not doing great, but what I'm going to say is I'm doing fine.
0: How are you? Well, I appreciate that. You're putting on a brave face <laughs> for us today.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's pod face. I always try to put on a pod face so everyone That's can true. see my smile.
0: I am, I'm good, but I'm melting. It's like 97 degrees right now. Wow. I don't know what to do with myself, but I don't have air conditioning. But you know what? I'm powering through for the Blasties, our fans. Blast through the they heat. They come for the content. Do what you got to do. We got to do it. And of course, I had to come through because we have a great guest today. That's right. Talk about this movie. He is a content creator, videographer, snack reviewer, my friend, regular Mike. Welcome to the pod, Mike. How you doing? Yes, sir. I'm good, man.
2: Mike, check one, two. You know the vibes. Regular Mike. Listen. A.K.A.L. AKA Snacko. <laughs> AKA right. Young Trail Mix. AKA <laughs> Stimmy Fallon. I'm here, man. I'm happy to be here too, man.
1: I'm happy.
0: I almost wore my El Snacco shirt, but I thought that was like when you can't wear a band's t-shirt to the uh, to the
1: concert. <laughs> oh, I didn't know there were shirts. Oh yeah. Thanks, Mike's man. got merch.
2: I'm trying. I'm out here. <laughs> so Mike, how are you doing this week? Listen, it's been a rough go, because like you said, it's a thousand degrees in New York City. Listen, I'm not even sure if this is my physical form y'all talking to, or you know what I mean, my <laughs> spirit. But it's here. Whatever it is, it's here. Strong too. Oh yeah. We're gonna we're gonna put all that aside. We're not thinking about the
0: weather. For the next hour and 10 minutes, we're going to focus in and get it done, because that's what we do every week. But before we start talking about Meteor Man, we have a little tradition here we like to do at the beginning of every episode, where we go over something we all watched that was not for the podcast that we thought was
2: interesting. So, Mike, what do you got for us this week? Listen, man, for me, I've been watching a gang of sports. Mm-hmm. But what I did get into, though, you know, you got the new Sopranos movie on deck. Oh, yeah. So the I Many started, Saints of Newark. Yeah, man. I started rewatching The Sopranos. I'm like four episodes in, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the run. I'm going to take the dive trying to finish before the movie come out.
0: The movie's October, I
2: think. Four, right? four. I got time. I got, I'm you not really a binger like that. I think so. I think so. I think yeah, so, that's so. a heavy
1: lift. I, I missed out on The Sopranos early and then... I was like, the psychic weight of all those seasons is crushing to me. I can't start it.
0: They go by quick, though, especially the first few, because the later seasons, they tend to drag a little more and they're, they're a lot more, let's say it's like symbolic. They're not as propulsive as those first few, but at least like the first three seasons, you could get through really fast because it's just every episode is pretty action packed.
1: I should do that sometime. I, I owe it to myself.
0: Yeah. And they got Michael Gandolfini playing a uh, young Tony Soprano. That's James Gandolfini's son playing him in the movie. So that should be interesting to see if you could pull that off. So I'm definitely going to check it out. It's coming to HBO Max and theater same day. So I'll have to see if it gets the theatrical treatment for me or if I just watch it at home. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> Ian, what you got for us?
1: I think we got a theme going today. Speaking of mobsters, I watched Gamora, which oh. is also on HBO Max. It's an Italian series about some gangsters in Italy, set in Naples real familiar thematically. It's not really breaking new ground, but it's still really engrossing. The specificity of the setting, the locations in Naples, the people, the particular cast of characters. It's really fun. I don't think it's such a special thing that it'll draw on people who aren't into mafia or drug cartel type stories. But if you're into that stuff, it's given me a pretty fun excursion in that genre. I'm only a handful of episodes in. but
0: Yeah, I think that type of show is more of a novelty in Italy than it is in the States, because we had so many gangster movies and shows that came out of America. So we tend to spot the tropes a lot faster. So Gamora can feel a little simplistic in its approach to the matter sometimes because of that, I think. But it's really good and well-made, and I'm a big fan... Of Salvatore Esposito, who played Jenny in the show, he was a big part of this most recent season of Fargo, the one with Chris Rock. Oh, uh, Okay, that was like his first breakout role in America, and uh, I loved him on that. And I, I didn't even realize it was the same guy for a little while, but yeah, he's awesome. It's a really good show, and uh, I support this endeavor that you're going on. I haven't finished the whole thing either, so you got to let me know if it's worth diving back into at some point.
1: Yeah, thanks. We'll see how far I get.
0: I made it back to the movies this week. What? Yeah, this is big news. Finally,
1: you got to tell us how this whole thing went. Yeah,
0: down. for the first time since I saw a Parasite and. Early 2020. I got into the theater to see F9.
2: Oh, man. On Sunday. <laughs> what are you saying? What's You're shaking <laughs> your head. What's going man. on? <laughs> Listen, man, I feel a certain way about Fast and Furious. So I'm not going to bury them too tough, but nah. What's your problem <laughs> with the series? You like the, the older ones or none of them at all? Listen, man, if you're going to be a car movie, be about cars, man. I'm not sure what I'm watching when I'm watching Fast and Furious. I don't know if I'm watching Avengers with cars.
0: That's what it is now, though. It, the cars are barely a part of it anymore. Yeah, it's no, just I about... Yeah,
2: They bringing people back from the dead. I don't know if it's sorcery going on. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on, man. I'm
0: going to tell you then you're not going to like this one because everything crazy <laughs> that's been going on the last few movies, they
2: really amped it up for this one. I don't to spoil reviews, anything. I've read reviews because I don't really care about spoilers. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's just so extra, I might have to go see it just so I can roast it accurately.
0: It's a good movie to see in the theaters, though, especially after not being in a movie theater for so long because it's got... A lot of big action scenes. The sound design is interesting. Okay. So I don't take those movies seriously at all, but I do enjoy them. I used to go with our mutual friend Jeff to see them all in the theater, but you know, it didn't get there this time. But it was cool because the theater was one of those ones where they have waiters and they bring you drinks. Oh. And, and real food, like you don't have to just get popcorn. I got like a, some Southwest egg rolls and a, nice. and a, and a Moscow <laughs> mule. Like it was, I was
1: laid back. Yeah. yeah, whatever they put on the screen after that, it's just that much better.
0: Exactly. And theater was not packed, but it was busy. There was enough people out there where it seems like Everyone's comfortable with it now. Few people wearing masks. Most weren't. They definitely didn't require it. So, yeah, it seems like the theaters are, are back. And uh, this movie made over $70 million just in the States over the weekend. So, it's going to be, good. yeah, we're going to start getting movies back in theaters again. People clapping in there? Nah, nobody clapped. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't that rock- emotional. Wasn't it wasn't
2: rocking. It wasn't rocking.
0: People walked out, but there was a stinger scene. You know, you have a stinger scene in all these movies. People still oh, walked guy. out before. I was like, how do you do that? How do you not know? But
1: They forgot, man. They haven't been in a long time. That's true. People left mid movie?
0: No, there's a, after the credit oh, scene. Oh, after
2: the credit yeah,
0: yeah. No. Yeah, but there's always an after the credit scene in these movies, though, but people still got up and left. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I thought that, that was silly. But anyway, yeah, so that was cool. I'm excited. I'm going to start going more to the movies again. And I really wish this new movie, No Sudden Move, was coming to the theaters because I'm super excited about that one. But it's just going straight to HBO Max. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. And that ties into today's movie, because Don Cheadle's one of the stars of No Sudden Move. Yes, sir. He, this must have been like one of his first acting roles here in Meteor Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. When you see him in this, you're like, wow, he looks the same. I don't know. He
0: does. Don Cheadle's never going out of style. Shout out to Don do Cheadle, man. Yeah, getting do no
2: wrong. So... The Meteor Man. Mike, you picked this movie. Why don't you tell me a little bit about your relationship with it? Listen, man, Meteor Man, for me, I'm not going to say it's one of my favorite movies because it's just so many, but this is one of the movies that stuck with me. Like, I got friends. I got lifelong friends where we still use references from this movie. It was one of those movies for me growing up. I mean, going to elementary school when I was young, one of the things you had to do is you had to see certain movies before you went to school so you could talk about it. This was one of those movies. So this is an enjoyable movie for me. I don't know if everybody else feel like that, but I always like media. The
0: reviews when it first came out were not too kind, but It's gotten kind of a reevaluation when I was just doing research for the pod. There's a lot of fans out there and it's starting to get some more momentum for maybe a possible reboot. I'll talk more about that, like specifically some quotes I saw out there. From Robert Townsend, but yeah, it's got like a cult following now. People really came around to it, and I think a big part of that is it definitely doesn't take itself too seriously. Like it's a funny movie. I I didn't really know what the tone was going to be if it was going to be like just like super earnest and play everything pretty straight, but I was surprised that it it got me laughing in quite a few spots. And there's some stuff about it that hasn't aged really great, which we'll talk about. (laughs) But overall, yeah, I was surprised by this. I had never seen it before, and I I found myself enjoying it. Ian, what'd you think? Early impressions of the movie?
1: Er, Early impressions were like first watch i was real confused because i didn't know what i was seeing i didn't know who this was for what it was supposed to be so there's still good laughs in it and there's some laughs at how ridiculous certain scenes are and there's some laughs where you're laughing with them because they get off good jokes and then there's a lot of like what is this like why are they why do those guys look like that and like there's just so many things like that and then i sort of went back and did a little more research and figured out what he, what at least we can glean what he might have intended f- for this film, and on the second watch, I mean, I tend to warm up on second watches anyway, so it made a lot more sense to me on second watch. That a lot of, more of the charming things were able to sink in, as charming and endearing, instead of just like blowing my mind. Bizarre, yeah, yeah. no, sure. So, there's a lot of weird shit to talk about in this movie, but I think we'll do it in a in a warm and friendly way. For sure,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a PG movie too, so it's not like we're gonna sit here and treat it like that's my boy or another movie we reviewed. That's just garbage. Like he was clearly aiming this at kids and he had a really admirable intention with making this movie. So I think you have to give credit for that as well. Let me just add real quick. I saw this in the theaters. Oh, so you were one of the, so this made $8 million. So like $6 and that was you.
2: That's a fact. All all ones too, all ones. Of course. (laughs) Do you remember what theater you saw it at? Probably with Sunrise Multiplex on Sunrise okay. Highway. I don't, I don't know where else I really went. They had metal detectors in there. Yeah,
0: I was always the, the College Point Cinemas. Right over there by the
2: Toys R Us. They should have had metal detectors in there. They did after a while. <laughs> I think it's closed now. No, it's still open. It's still open. It's still there? No, no. I'm thinking about Whitestone. I'm oh, sorry. man. You
1: guys got to set our geography for Yeah, I'm
2: sorry. For
0: listeners who are not from the Queens metro area, this might be confusing, but we're reminiscing. So give us a moment. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so I'd like to get into what the motivations were for making a movie, how it got made, where it was filmed, stuff like that. So should I get into it now? Yeah, let's hear how this thing happened. Let's do it. All right. So in 1991, Robert Townsend had just wrapped up the Five Harp. Beats, a movie he had written, directed, produced, and starred in. The film was a moderate financial success, but had received mixed to negative reviews from critics. Did it
1: get a few good
0: reviews? Trying to decide on his next project, Townsend went to Chicago to visit family. Around Halloween, Townsend had a conversation with his nephew, Greg, who was either five or six at the time, that gave him the inspiration for his next film. Townsend asked his nephew what he was going to dress up as for Halloween, listing off a few potential ideas like Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman, but his nephew responded that he couldn't dress up as those characters because they were white.
1: In your face,
0: Uncle Rob. Townsend had his inspiration as he decided to be the first person to center a major Hollywood movie around a black superhero. Townsend also wanted to tie his film into the problems facing inner cities at the time and decided to set his movie in Washington, D.C. to take advantage of the juxtaposition between the capital of the U.S. being so close in proximity to some of the country's most impoverished areas.
1: Not to mention those dangerous criminals in Congress, am I right, folks?
0: Townsend settled on the Meteor Man about a mild-mannered substitute teacher named Jefferson Reed who gained superpowers after a freak accident involving being struck by a meteor. Townsend secured a budget of $20 million for the project, and filming took place in the Reservoir Hill neighborhood of Baltimore between July and October of 1992. The film was released on August 6, 1993, and received mostly negative reviews. Finishing its theatrical run with a box office haul of $8 million, the movie was a definitive bomb, but has developed a cult following in the nearly 30 years since its release there it is
1: yeah big bomb he got a lot of money to make it
0: yeah it's um, a big budget for for the early 90s for kind of an unproven
1: yeah for breaking new ground and going out on a limb it seems like a lot of money i don't know if you can see the budget in the film I does it look like a th- you saw the budget <laughs> where, where do you think it? the money went the cast the yeah cast. There was the, the budget went into true. the cast.
0: i mean he's got a lot of big cameos in this movie a lot of big stars Probably the biggest star in the movie doesn't say a single word in it. Two, um, two of the biggest stars
2: don't say a single word.
1: That's right. Oh yeah, that's a true. Curious thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Luther and... Um, right. That's a sticky situation to walk around. <laughs> but yeah, he's in the movie, but his character is mute. So interesting choice there. But yeah, $20 million. It's a big budget. There wouldn't be a superhero film about a black superhero with a budget this big for a long
2: time. Maybe till Spawn? And Spawn is like an anti-hero, so... Yeah, and Spawn's not so
0: much like about the character's blackness. Meteor that Man too. really is focusing on inner city problems where Spawn, he happens to be black, but it, it's a whole right. other thing. Yeah, Spawn was like the next big one because there was Blank Man in 1994. But that was a parody, mostly, and right. also lost a ton of money. But I watched that a bunch as a kid.
2: That's, and another, then, that's another good one for me. <laughs> you can come back and do Blank Man. I'm telling you, kids. Blank Man, listen. And you know what? The black superhero thing wasn't even like really a draw. It was just the, the, the cast. And, the, and Robert Townsend was big for for us back in the day, coming off Five Heartbeats. Yeah, Five
0: Heartbeats and Hollywood Shuffle, too. It was another right. big movie he was in right, right before just that. That's his was enough. Yeah, he, was, he had a lot of cachet in Hollywood. And he said he called in almost every favor he had to get this movie made and get the budget he needed for it so this was really a passion project for him
1: yeah interesting passion and then he made a movie about a hero played by himself that's sort of the opposite of passionate he's like very lukewarm kind of guy, doesn't want to Mm. cause trouble, doesn't want to... I mean, he's super charming, but this is not like a troubled character. He gets his base stolen, the girl that he kind of wishes he could get together with. (laughs)
0: Listen, man. Yeah, Jefferson Reed is a nerd. I think that was the point, obviously. He was trying to make...
2: man, he was goofy as hell, man. (laughs) He was a little bit goofy.
0: Yo, he clearly was trying to do it. I think he might have taken it a little too far. He might have made him, like, too much of a a doofus. Yeah. Just before he gets his powers, he is like a punching bag for everyone in this neighborhood, good and bad. Willingly,
2: too. Yeah, but
1: that's his charm. Like, yeah, I think it's it's smart. It's like Robert Townsend knew what he could play. And this is a thing that he plays well. He has the face for that character. And so he just went right down the middle with it.
0: Yeah, he's got like an innocence to him that I think is relatable to a lot of people. And he really leaned into that. So do you want to talk about like the story
1: of the movie? Yeah, let's jump in and walk people through this. So all right. Jefferson Reed, played by Robert Townsend, is a mild-mannered substitute teacher in Washington, D.C., who encourages his students to avoid conflicts. One night, he has a run-in with a flamboyant local gang called the Golden Lords. To escape them, he hides in a dumpster. But when he comes out, he gets hit by a glowing emerald meteor, which enters his body and burns him badly. Later in the hospital, he makes a miraculous full recovery and discovers he now has a variety of superpowers. When the lords try to attack him and his family, Jeff fights them off with super strength. Then they come back with guns, but the bullets bounce off. Then Jeff learns he can fly, but he's scared of heights.
0: When he's flying really low to the ground, that actually that got a good laugh out of me. Like I thought that was a funny <laughs> moment. But right out of the gate, they come in with a Michael Jackson song to open the movie, which is a big flex. That, yeah. Licensing Michael Jackson songs cannot be cheap, but I found out in an interview, he got that free of charge. He called yep. Michael Jackson, asked him a favor, and he said, yeah, whatever you need, and and that was it. So that's an example of Robert Townsend cashing in all his favors for this movie.
2: Totally. Telling you, when the movie come
0: on and you hear Mike setting it off,
2: like it puts you in a good mood right out the gate.
0: Yeah. And you, it makes you feel like it's a legit production because Michael Jackson is not going to be licensing out his songs to some low rate movie or TV
1: show. Yeah. There's some establishing shots of the Capitol. You're like, all right, we're in D.C., stuff is happening. And then after that it gets a little small, it's shot on location, but it feels like, well, not everything's The alley is like a cheap set. The bricks are like yeah. Honestly, yeah. glued on facade, but it's like there's, there's enough of actual location stuff, but it feels very sort of small townish, even though, I mean, I don't know anything about the neighborhood, but.
0: Reservoir Hills, it's one of the nicer neighborhoods in Baltimore there. DC and Baltimore do look pretty similar. Like a lot of those narrow row houses, uh-huh. like
2: small apartment buildings. I think it's a decent stand in for DC. Mike, you ever made it down to DC? I've been to DC, but listen, they, they had teams named the Bullets and the Caps, so I ain't spent too much time. That's right. (laughs) I caught a little bus out of there. I had family in Maryland. Bus dropped me off in in D.C. I caught another bus out of there. Okay.
0: (laughs) So,
2: not wasting any time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Got it. DC's wild, too. The streets are always closed for some government function or somebody's visiting. Like, it's a real pain in the ass to travel around that town. Or sometimes
1: the drug gangs just pull some semi-trucks in and close off the streets so they can have a showdown. (laughs) Sometimes you're walking
0: down the street and there's a fucking tiger right there. You're like, (laughs) what the fuck? They pulled up with a tiger. I gotta Uh, say, probably the thing that made me laugh the hardest in this movie, and I'm not a thousand percent sure if it was a joke, is just how young the kids they
2: recruit for the Golden Lords are. The Baby Lords? Like, those are literal toddlers. The Baby Lords was the hardest ones too the baby (laughs) lords was the most gs ones in the whole game they're
1: scary yeah, what were they doing to that lady in the alley?
2: They're it's, way too young for this behavior. They're like three and four years old. I'm telling you, man, it's like similar to today's world. It's like the young kids are the ones who who really get into it in the streets. You know what I mean? The baby lords was getting to it with diapers. Who would have thought? Yeah, not even potty trained.
1: When you meet the Golden Lords is when you realize you have to adjust your expectations of the movie. Because like it looks conventional, fairly contemporary. And then these gangsters show up and they got these matching outfits and crazy <laughs> sunglasses and all this regalia and stuff, and you're like, whoa, what is going on? And then they're little kids. Then they're like, different level. There's the junior lords, right. which is how
0: old they were. Still like preteens. pre-teens. Yeah, Yeah, they're, like, they're preteens, but not toddlers.
1: <laughs> and then the baby lords, who are just genuinely small, who are defeated in the end by pulling their pants down, and then they start to cry. That's how young <laughs> these kids are. They're the only ones who
2: didn't run, though. Everybody else got up out of their baby lords. That's right. They were tough, yeah. yeah. I tell you, baby lords,
0: man. <laughs> That's a good point. They hung in there. With no weapons. They put their dukes up. When they first introduced the gang Leader with his slinky, and then Tiny <laughs> Lister's walking around with a tiger. You're like, okay, this is silly, but the movie obviously is not trying to be serious here. So you you cut it a lot of slack for that, and I enjoyed the Golden Lords. Even their little headquarters is super goofy. There's a big sign in the back that says Simon says break the rules. Like if you were actually a, a city drug conglomerate, well, like you're not operating like this. Are you supposed to move silently it's when they're
1: moving
2: that kind of weight? Oh, they was flamboyant. They were.
1: This is the <laughs> shit that blows your mind if you don't know it's a kids movie. The once you know right. it's, it's four kids then it's fine. It all makes sense. You're like, oh yeah, that's a gang from a kids movie and they're all dressed up and they got sparkly things and they move in formation. Right. But if it throws you off because the first time you meet them it's Don Cheadle versus Robert Guillaume and there's some real tension in that. Like they face off and Guillaume is awesome in this. Yeah, He ain't crossing no street, man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He won't cross the street and he lets them know it in no uncertain terms. And those are the two guys who actually play their role straight in this movie and they're great for it but I don't know if it was a good idea to have him in there because it uh, fools you into thinking there's going to be some real drama versus kids' show safe drama.
0: Yeah, they bring a lot of attention to it because they're both good actors and they're not hamming it up so much. So it felt like the stakes were real at that point. But then you see James Earl Jones with the high top fade. You know, <laughs> with, uh, speaking of hamming duke.
1: it up. Yeah.
0: James Earl,
2: Darth Vader getting to it with the different <laughs> hairstyles, man. You talking
1: You're about the go.
0: cast is where the budget went. Like when I saw James Earl Jones in this, I was like, oh man, and he's a small role and he was already a
2: big Deal by this point. Listen, they had yeah. a who's who of black Hollywood in this movie, as far as I'm
1: concerned a who's who James Earl Jones come on yeah. that's a legendary actor right there and he's the comic relief character he's having yeah, fun one. with it <laughs> like Eddie Griffin is much more straight his character is sort of the sidekick comic relief to the hero but James Earl Jones is the comic relief that's way beyond that and bonkers, so. the bonkers yeah. over the top yeah
0: with all the wigs but yeah Eddie Griffin is pretty straight laced except for the fact that he is chronically horny like, <laughs> he is just character impossibly horny so that gets him into trouble later on that we'll get Into
1: another weird choice for a kid's movie to make that the hero's best friend is a horn dog and that's his theme. You know what?
2: He almost gets himself killed trying to get some pussy at the mall. That's one of the things about this movie, though. Like, the PG rating, it's, it's questionable because there's some things in this movie. I'm just like, PG, like, you got crack, you got yeah. guns, you got semi, I mean, not nudity, but you got suggestive themes. This is PG. Like, what age group is PG? Let's talk about nineteen ninety I
0: would say 6 to 12 is where, like, you shoot for with PG audiences, I would guess. Just cause anything PG thirteen, like any kid older than twelve is gonna wanna go see that. They're not gonna wanna go to PG. And G, kids that like once kids are six, I feel like maybe they've grown out of those movies.
2: I don't know. My kid's four, so I don't I can't be sure. That's what I'm trying to say. My kid's four too, and she watched it without blinking. Like she ain't have no questions or nothing. So I guess it worked, <laughs> but my son watched Battleship and
0: liked it. So, yeah, I don't know if he's the best judge. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this, this movie, I noticed that the special effects when he gets burnt and even like when he gets beat up sometimes, like they're not like comedy special effects. They go for it with his burn marks. Yeah. They look pretty rough for obviously they heal quickly because he gets the powers, but at first he looks pretty rough yeah. and they don't shy away from that.
1: I had to look away when he's in the alley and the thing is still driving itself into his chest. This big, glowing, gross. Green thing, and he's (laughs) screaming and squirming, and his face is all breaking out in burn welts. It's uh, it was rough.
2: All he had to do was make a right turn, and the movie goes off. (laughs) Damn, really?
1: you know, <laughs> from the slow motion meteor Let's keep
2: the party going
0: <laughs> yeah this is why we have movies because of choices people make he hit put, in that dumpster for four hours i checked the time uh see, say- he
2: hit the dumpster he figured that out but he couldn't put his foot in the ground and just make like a jump cut to get out of the way of the media no. but you know, i
1: see what's going on
2: <laughs> the meteor was not moving that fast
1: it was like, not it was swinging <laughs> through that alley on the big rope in, in quite a lazy kind <laughs> yeah, of way <laughs>
0: We got to talk about his powers because they're not like super defined. He seems to have every power you could imagine somebody having. And, uh, like, I get it, you know, the super strength. He's invulnerable. He could x ray vision. But then the book thing I thought was interesting. Like, that was really That's a good a power difference. to have. I would like to have that. But it's, uh, and the talking to dogs. <laughs> that. Listen,
1: oh, the man. book thing ain't
2: no different than the Matrix getting jacked in your neck. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it's only 30 seconds, but still.
1: Right. No, it's literally the same thing. You learned kung fu that I'm way. I tell you, man. Yeah,
2: but, Media but, Man
1: was
0: a trailblazer. Yeah. Yeah, he the Matrix ripped off media, Man. You heard it I here tell first.
1: so a lot of things. That, a lot of
2: thing. A lot of people ripped off media, Man. We are gonna get into it.
0: All right, I'm excited. But then, so can he only talk to dogs, or is it any animal? But you never see him talk to a cat. There's dogs. But there's not a lot of cats in this movie. Eddie
2: Griffin was the one trying to talk to cats. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But that though. dog voice.
1: Like, who made the call to make the dog sound like that?
0: Yeah, Dr. Doolittle did a much better job of the animals talking. Just let, let them talk. You don't have to do, like, the talking over the barking. Yeah, over the barking. Yeah, that was a bit much. That was...
1: And a really weird voice. That's later Robotic. on people figured out to cast stand-up comics to play animals in movies. That's one thing Townsend didn't set that trend.
2: But you know what, though? Maybe thinking about younger kids who can't quite read yet, you know what I mean? Maybe they could understand it a lot more than we could. Because we can actually read the subtitles where they just listen to the the bark and the worries at the same i'm just trying i'm just trying to put oh, yeah, some, so, we'll yeah, try so, so. some bail oh yeah so yeah some bail no, no, that, that's a good point. That's a
0: We're good point. I think if it was like 2003, it wouldn't have been voiced by a robot or whatever they, they did. with yes, this. It would have yes, been like yes. it would have been like Norm Macdonald or something
1: was the voice. Of exactly the, <laughs> the dog. I was listening. I'm like, Norm, is that you? No, nope.
0: no, it's not Norm. But and I got a shout out, um, Wallace Shawn, with a very small role. Like that must have been another favorite that got called in because yeah. he's a pretty prominent actor and he says like two lines in this movie. That was the if you're not familiar, Wallace Shawn is the inconceivable guy from The Princess Bride. Famous that's where Sicilian. Knows Um, So
1: I think that Townsend was doing a little nod to that. Because they make him go, the student's behavior is unbelievable. I think it, he's like, going to say times this? And I was like, oh, you don't think it's inconceivable?
0: You're waiting for him to drop the line. He doesn't do yes. it. Nah. Now, we've got to talk about Robert Townsend's acting in the scene where he gets shot like a thousand times. Was he trying to look silly while getting shot? Or is that just how he thinks you look
2: when you get shot? What you mean, when he, he got shot at the bus stop? Yeah, when he gets shot, like when they light him up. That was like, that's how people look. You, you don't remember, think about like Total Recall when bodies got hit. There was a lot of all them shaking going on. Like, it's just how it was. So you think yeah. just
0: like we've moved to a more realistic way of getting shot in movies since then. So maybe I'm just biased yeah, from watching like more lot, recent movies. I okay. people have
2: been shot.
1: We got a lot more to pull from. Yeah. Didn't like Sonny Corleone look like that? That was like 70s style when you get shot yeah. and look a little goofy. <laughs> okay.
0: Maybe I'm in the wrong on this one then. He was doing
1: a Jimmy Conn. Yeah.
0: What I remember mostly about uh, Sonny Corleone is when he beats that guy up in the street, but every punch <laughs> and kick is three inches away from the guy, the yes. guy's face. Yeah. It's it's the whack fight.
1: <laughs> goofiness, And so I think Robert Townsend absorbed that because that scene actually has like a moment of actual street violence grittiness where the guys pull away and then they look at the back window and they go, something's wrong. And they look back out and they see him getting up in the distance. And that shot. For Some reason was like the rest of the movie is kind of Sesame Street style, and that shot was like a chilling shot from a serious crime movie. It's like the Terminator, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, Oh, shit. and Cheadle's leading it, so like he brings his seriousness. It suddenly turned cool right there. That's what I'm Pardon saying. Him. Like the PG rate and the way they gun that man down, that ain't PG. Like, That's you should never see that in Avengers,
0: <laughs> yeah. there's no blood obviously
1: because of his powers. But they still shot this man like 30 yeah, times,
2: yeah, they did him dirty, <laughs> <man>. yeah, <laughs> crazy.
1: They want you to wonder whether because you didn't know he was gonna just shrug off the bullets in broad daylight. Man. Like yeah, we're more. still
0: unclear what his powers are at this point, so he could, yeah. have, been, he could have been history at that stage. Yeah, it was a that stage out
1: moment for all of us.
0: All right, so, Jeff's parents and his community have big plans for how to use his superpowers, but Jeff is reluctant to be a hero. After an attack by the Golden Lords puts his beloved landlord in the hospital, Jeff decides he must fight crime. He busts up a bunch of drug operations and forces the crypts, the bloods, and the cops to all make peace with each other. He also uses his powers to cultivate a trash-filled, empty lot into an urban farm that grows enormous vegetables. Those vegetables <laughs> are enormous. So
2: That was a little much for me, man. <laughs> all right.
1: <I'm> <laughs> That's where I you lost so. you, the giant pumpkin.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. I was waiting for Jack and a beanstalk or somebody to make an appearance. They, I, that was the one part where I'm like, all right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this movie's all over the place with Tone. Like, yeah, he gets shot down in the street in one scene and then there's a 25-foot-tall earcorn in the next.
1: Yeah, what's
2: going on? <laughs> yeah,
1: that was a whimsical farm. And then it was like people were picking up giant tomatoes the size of beach balls and grinning and stuff. They played that for laughs. Even though they played the scene of him planting that garden really serious, there's like three minutes of saxophone music and he's conjuring yeah. the rain real slowly. And it's, and it's to- him feeling good about finally doing something for his neighborhood. And then, they just but then the food.
2: vegetables grow in there. But the whole reason for him doing that was to let the people know what his name was, because the flying man, rest in peace to John Williams. He was everybody was trying to steal his name and, and get clout, for lack of a better word. So right. That's what you're going to do to let the folk know who you are? Like, all you got to do is just take a selfie or something. Like, <laughs> make, give a, make a, press a vegetable garden? Yeah, yeah, do something. Yeah.
1: This was 93, though. You had to create giant vegetables if you wanted they to They don't get want notice. no
0: veggies in D.C., man. <laughs> if you weren't sure if this was a movie from the early 90s, there is literally a scene, or a montage, rather, where Jeff tries on different Meteor Man outfits while Eddie Griffin sits in a chair and either shakes his head or nods excitedly. <laughs> they actually do the going to the store to try on some clothes montage from yeah, all the 80s and
2: 90s movies. That's <laughs> OG montage right <laughs> there.
0: I wasn't sure. I couldn't find much on like where Eddie Griffin was in his career when he made this movie. Was he like a
2: big deal already? Or was he more no, I just... think he was going to come up. Okay. He had like the young, the young comedian type role. I guess similar to like, the Dave Chappelle and Nutty Professor type role. Like he was probably killing on stand-up, but I, I like I like you said I didn't really see what other movies he did prior, but I don't think he was like super superman Eddie Griffin mob.
1: It feels early to me just for the fact that he doesn't go really big. Like, I think later Eddie Griffin would have played that much broader and bigger. And he's actually, even though he's comic relief a lot of the time, he doesn't go nuts with it.
0: Right. Yeah. His performance is not that signature Eddie Griffin. Oh, he was in The Five Heartbeats for a hot second and he was in Last Boy Scout. But this was only like his fourth or fifth movie role. So he was still in and they were all like customer, ventriloquist, messenger. So he this was his first movie role with like a name. Right. But he uh, grits and gravy himself. We had a shout out, grits and gravy from Chappelle's show, but yeah, it doesn't really feel like an Eddie Griffin performance at times. It's pretty subdued, even though, like we said, he's extremely horny all the time.
2: Now he still got <laughs> he still got some parts off where it was like that's Eddie Griffin, you know what I mean? Like the scene where with the Golden Lords with Simon and Jeff is, is going at it with the books, and he's like thirty seconds. Damn, that was Eddie Griffin. That was Eddie. Yeah. Griffin. He he put some sauce on it.
0: You saw what was coming for him in his career, but it wasn't fully there yet. We got to talk about the crips and blood scenes because they got.
2: <laughs> Cypress Hill and Naughty by Nature to play the gangs in this movie. Trying to tell you, it was a heavy hip-hop influence in this movie. That was a yeah. big draw for a 10-year-old me. You know what I mean? Another Bad Creation, which was a group that I was rocking with when they first came out. Naughty by Nature, Cypress Hill, Big Daddy Kane. Yeah, Biz Marquis is the drug dealer. Biz Mark- I'm trying to tell you, man. Media, man.
1: <laughs> Yeah. I was not expecting all that. Townsend said he was pulling all those strings on purpose. He's like, I'm going to put yeah. everything in this movie. It's going to have you know, hip hop stars. It's going to have movie stars. It's going to have action family. Pretty it's much trying to, give,
2: he's trying to give everybody a reason to watch. Right. Appeal to
0: everybody a little right. bit. Right. So now, as far as the Meteor Man costume goes, what do you guys think of it? Listen,
2: man, I ain't for the fake muscles, man.
0: Yeah, that's a very 90s move to have that in
2: there. I ain't for the fake muscles, man. We're
0: still a few years away from X-Men, like where they tried to get the more, you know, realistic looking. Yeah, the sleek leather and all that. So it was appropriate for the time, I think, but it looks goofy in retrospect.
2: I read somewhere that he said he still got it. He still got it and he could still fit the boots. But the rest (laughs) of it, not so much. I don't think this was a dry fit, like costume
0: no <laughs> he can't squeeze into this he looks good though i was reading i was watching interviews with him from the last few years he doesn't look that different like he hasn't put on a ton of weight or anything i bet Maybe if he, he had it. a month-long boot camp he could get back in that of course. man suit
2: either that or some lipo or some little bbl he'd be straight
0: yeah, yeah. something well uh, ian what's your take on the costume how'd you find it
1: it's of a piece with a lot of the superhero stuff in this because we're in like a totally different realm of what it what a superhero movie is what superheroes are what comic book heroes are And this was a period where I think comics by this point had changed. They were dark and gritty, but Mm -hmm. those movies hadn't really made it to the screen. So like Townsend talks about his influences were like old Superman, which I assume includes like Super Friends Saturday morning cartoons which were really Mm -hmm. campy and corny. And then he unironically says 60s Batman was his favorite thing, the TV show. And so he comes from this idea that superheroes are really kiddie stuff and campy and over-the-top and kooky. And so that's the aesthetic he brings and the costume just... Goes with that. I think it looked fine. I actually think the the first one his mom sewed that he put down and said, "Mom, that's a costume. I need a uniform." And then he rejected her first idea, which was a little more sparkly. I thought that one was cool too.
0: Yeah, he was a little mean to his mom in that moment. I thought that wasn't very cool. But you know, it's his secret identity. Uh, he's really not trying to cover up his identity at all. Secret though. identity. Don't get me started with that. He's not
2: even wearing glasses in his everyday life. Yeah, like life. come on, <laughs> dude. Like there's a scene in there where, where Golden Lawrence run up on him in the classroom, and it's like, you hey, I don't know this is him."
1: <laughs> right. He knew Simon knew, but somehow he. He was fooled by Eddie Griffin. He's like, (laughs) Wait, really? Yeah,
0: come on, man. What kind of <laughs> gang was this, man? They were not the best gang. It's a miracle they got as big as they did.
1: <laughs> Simon is a weird character. Like, he's really tough and scary sometimes. But then in front of his boss, Byers, the big kingpin, like, Byers is like, do you know anything about this? And Simon's just like, no, I don't know anything. Like,
2: like, I- fam, it's in your backyard, bro. What do you mean you don't know <laughs> nothing, bro?
1: Come on, bro.
0: You personally <laughs> shot this guy like 15 times. Yeah, like, exactly. You beat his pops up. Like, come on, bro. Yeah, the Byers character in general is a little strange. Like, I don't know if we needed to have the whole Hierarchy of the criminal underworld. There's enough with the Lords to just have them carry the movie, I think. He put him
2: them. in there. You know, that's my man who played Riddler in the old Batman show. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. That's yeah, the, Frank Gorshin. It's the tie in back to so Batman. He, put, he put him in there. You know, it he, it's a, a reason why he did everything. Yeah. I feel like I don't know if he wrote this script before he picked the cast or what, or if it was like a, a growing script, because there's no way he had this ready to go and then just plug and play all these characters, all this whole cast. Like, ah, this who I want to play, this this who I want to play this, because it's a lot of people in this movie.
0: Yeah, I bet. It was more like he had the outline of the story, but then as he thought of people, actors he liked that he wanted to work with, he would just be like, okay, I'll find something for you to do in the movie. Right,
1: right. I actually suspect that you told that cool story of talking to his nephew and getting inspired to make this movie. And that's a great origin story for how this got made. But I have a feeling he was retconning for a good, cute origin story because he was thinking about this further back. I rewatched Hollywood Shuffle, which was 87, just to prep for this. And there's a scene at the end where the character who's an actor daydreams of Playing a superhero. That's oh, really? like the one of the dream gigs he gets. He plays this guy whose name is literally superhero and he's flying around in the stage dream. And then he goes on to play Rambro. But it's definitely the seeds were there. That was a thing in his head, like a black actor who wanted to break out of sure. stereotypes. One of the things he wanted to do was play superheroes on the big screen. That makes sense. Also,
2: also he thought this was going to be a franchise. Like, he thought he had one with this. Yeah. <laughs> he thought I mean, he how could he get, not? He thought he was going to get action figures and all types of shit, but nah, nah, did, too early sorry.
0: Did they have Meteor Man, like, Halloween costumes? I, I wonder. Hell no. Go bet now? You don't think so? Hell no. Man. There wasn't no Meteor Man's in the hood. Let's talk a little bit about Sinbad as Malik in this movie. How did you find this character? I don't know where he came from, neither.
2: like Sinbad must have needed a few dollars or something man
0: (laughs) this was like Sinbad at his prime though wasn't it Sinbad was 93 yeah yeah, this was when he was really doing his thing and I wonder if that was just another thing where he was like you know what if we got Sinbad in this movie that might yeah this was a little this was
2: extra this was definitely extra man this is definitely like putting sauerkraut on a hot dog like you don't need sauerkraut man (laughs) hot dog and a ketchup and mustard is enough all right you want red onions all right let's get the red onions man he does,
0: he nice. does like almost nothing in this movie, too. He yeah. made me laugh a few like, times, but yeah, just, just a silly It was character. pointless, it was yeah. pointless.
1: I always like Shout out to Sinbad, though. Yeah, he, he was funny because he comes in as like the foil, the romantic foil, right? Because for some reason, Jeff's trying to romance Stacy, who, like, I don't know if we even saw her before, but all of a sudden, he's trying to put the moves, and then she has a boyfriend, but then that disappears again from the movie and there's no more romance. Yeah, Yeah,
0: he pops up again at the mall. That's when Malik shows up again. But yeah, it doesn't really add much to to any of these scenes. But yeah, it was another chance for a joke. That's it. All right. Ian, you want to bring us home? Talk about the last third. Here's
1: what happens. So the Golden Lords, they know Meteor Man's true identity and they start to wear him down with a series of attacks on him and his community. Then Jeff's superpowers actually start to fade away and his neighbors decide they're going to have to kick him out of the neighborhood and strike a deal with the gangs. But before Jeff can leave, the Golden Lords arrive. Despite his weakened state, Jeff bravely faces off with the gang's leader, Simon Kane, who is about to kill Jeff. When a mute vagrant shows up with a spare piece of emerald meteor that he found and disarms the lords, allowing the neighbors to fight them off with pots and pans. Simon <laughs> and Jeff both absorb the last piece of meteor, and they have a super-powered showdown. Meteor Man comes back strong and defeats Simon, but immediately, once again, his powers fade away. So then, when top drug kingpin Anthony Byers shows up with his crew to finish off Meteor Man, they need the united forces of the Crips and Bloods to surround them and turn the table on the big bad guys.
0: This last fight takes up so much time in the movie. <laughs> it's
1: so much plot. Just trying to summarize it there was a huge mouthful. Yeah, it's... I'm um, with it,
2: though. Get right to it, man. Get right to the, you know what I mean? The climax.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's where the rest of the budget went. It was like that scene. So they're like, we're going to we're gonna milk it. It's almost a quarter of the movie. By my calculations, 23% of the whole movie is this scene.
0: I was unclear what the meteor's powers that you could just pick up a piece of it and get the powers because I thought Jeff got the powers because he got slammed into by the meteor, but now... Simon could just pick it up and get the powers. I don't know. So absorbing that big piece of meteor doesn't actually help him at all. But yeah, this is when we see Luther
2: Vandross pop up and doesn't say a word. Nah, Luther was in there earlier. Luther popped up in the mall. You know what I mean? Luther was, yeah, was chilling. He was
1: there. He does some expressions because they don't let him talk, but he makes meaningful eyes at the camera. In
2: there. man
0: with the golden voice <laughs> not talking in the movie that yeah, budget would have went up another hundred thousand if, if Luther says hello right. yeah and
1: I was like are these union rules are like what's going on here
0: that must have been in the contract yeah if you want me to stand around in the background that's it's this price if you want me to open my mouth and say anything it's a whole nother price yeah, he <laughs> probably it's... didn't
1: want to
2: do it and, and, and Townsend was probably like come on man you don't got to say nothing you just need your presence and he was probably like all right, all right let's do it he had lost weight then too he probably wanted to show off his little figure he did was look little good. Luther.
0: yeah Luther uh, styling on him <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) the scene where it's kind of a messed up scene where simon just opens fire on a group of innocent people assuming jeff will be able to block all the bullets like what if he missed one of them there's kids in there this this
2: pg rating man i don't know man it's a lot of sinister shit in this movie and then justice league rips this whole scene
0: off 20 years later 25 years later that's right with Wonder Woman blocking all the
1: bullets in the bank. So don't see, don't say media man. Move. I'm trying to
2: tell you, media man. <laughs> like
1: you're saying, I thought Simon was trying to kill them. There's a crowd of women and children standing on the sidewalk. And he goes, I came here to give you a message. And to me, obviously, the message was, you're all going to die. And he, he tries to shoot everybody, but all the bullets get blocked. And then he goes, message, you can't be everywhere at once. So he's like, it, I felt like he was covering for himself. Well, yeah. I, I didn't mean to shoot you. Here's the actual message. Message. Take a message.
0: But can he be <laughs> everywhere at once? He just blocked like fifty
2: bullets. He was a
1: lot of <laughs> places at once. Yeah,
2: he's yeah. kind of disproving Simon's whole whole message there. That's one of my favorite scenes. I ain't gonna front the end part of that shootout when he's just going crazy with his hands. Like, uh-uh, we did that in school. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure. We did. <laughs> and then the dog gets something.
0: What lands on him? What is it exactly? A, a, a dumpster,
2: man. Throws, throws a dumpster, on on him.
0: man. Yeah, he throws a yeah. dumpster on the dog, and the dog's okay again.
1: Yeah, that was kind of extraneous. That was just like. How do we end this fight scene in a different way? Because they've been just pummeling each other back and forth for a long time. And the dog's telling Jeff, you can do it, Rob a Schneider style. And then that pisses <laughs> Simon off and he's like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to kill Jeff anymore. I'm going to kill the dog. And it's just,
0: Yeah, that's too evil for a kid's movie. <laughs> throwing a dumpster at I'm a dog. I'm trying to tell dog. you,
2: this, this PG thing, man, I'm trying <laughs> to tell you. I think it's if this dropped suspect. today, the 13 would definitely be on you for sure. Because you know, once you're 13, yeah. life changes, man. It's true. You look at the world all differently I once you get 13.
0: I did like when Kung Fu Master Larry is fighting Meteor <laughs> Man and they just keep chanting Kung Fu yeah, Larry. Yeah,
2: that was, that was oh. one of my favorite parts. <laughs> at first I was like this is
0: silly and then they kept doing it. I was like alright this is funny. Like, like yeah <laughs> this
2: man needed a hype man. Come on Larry. Get him Kung Fu Master Larry. Meteor Man is fire man. I don't care what nobody saying man. some laughs in this shit man. And
0: then when one of the kids from another bad creation uh, picks up the gun and you think he's going to give it to Simon but he throws it away. He threw that gun like no more than two feet. Like, right, like really, You see how that like, kid, if you see his release point, that thing hit the ground right in front of him.
2: <laughs> he also threw it like it was a shot put. Like, how heavy was that gun? It couldn't have well, been it's... no heavier than a baseball. I know you play Little League, little homie. Come on. Three, four pounds, right? I mean, you no know? problem. Yeah. <laughs> the end of this
0: movie is just one one long extended fight scene. It gets boring at times, but it's also pretty entertaining at times. So I get it. When movies still follow this formula, though. They still have those long yeah. ending action scenes. It's just this one kind of feels smaller because it's really a one on one fight for most of it.
1: I like the towns Townsend then pivoted to doing a comedy like there's a bunch of legit fighting different types of weapons different types of advantages of the good guys or the bad guys and then they're facing off they're equally powered they both ate half of a meteor cookie Uh, (laughs) and then they pick up the runway modeling book and it gets really silly for a couple minutes yeah
2: that was funny man that was probably the funniest scene back in 93 that's the scene everybody talked about Today on yeah
0: he said he wanted to to throw that in to break up the the violence in a way because it was getting repetitive and yeah he definitely he, he hit his mark on that. Got a music, out of the
1: me. music with it. Nah, it worked. It worked. It was silly, but it was funny.
2: <laughs> They're voguing at each other. Yeah. I think Media Man lost that too for the record. <laughs> oh, you think so? I gotta go yeah. back and rewatch it for now. Nah, that Simon moment. cleaned them up. Simon cleaned them. He cleaned them. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. He, he had the shoulders. He had he gave them shoulders. He gave him a little <laughs> twist. Like only thing Media Man did was the little head in the box, little hand motion. Nah, the Vogue. Simon yeah, got the it. The
0: Vogue movement from Simon uh,
1: got it. Shout out to Simon, man.
0: All Overload. right, I'm going to watch just that scene again later and try to see if I agree.
2: <laughs> Cleaned him with a little turn. I'm telling you, the turn is what won it.
1: That actor, I love that guy, Roy Fegan.
2: I don't know if that's how you say his name, but... What's he, been, what's he been up to? I only remember seeing him, he made an appearance in the, in the Martin sitcom. I remember that role Oh, okay. Other than that, I don't even re- really remember him. He's
0: been on Scream Queens, which is a show on FX, I think it was. Maybe? He's on Monogamy, which is still running, as far as I could tell. He's done some voice he work, around. too. Yeah, he, he was around, on The Shield for a minute. Know. Oh, he had a big gap, though. He didn't work from 2003 to 2012, and then he started working again. Oh, yes.
1: See? I wonder what that was about. He was, you know, part of Townsend's crew. He has a good role in Hollywood Shuffle, and he's really a game player. Like, he's asked to do the most outrageous, over-the-top parts, and he just dives in. He, he loves that shit, and, like, his Simon yeah. really brings a lot of energy to the movie.
0: Yeah, he was in The Five Heartbeats, too. He was Bird. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Don Cheadle played it like he was the heavy, bad guy, and Simon was the more, like... Charismatic frontman. Don Cheadle was like the guy you go to get the dirty work done. Gold. Yeah, that's, Hawks, that's
2: usually how I go. That's usually
0: how I go. The muscle. Yeah. So that was our take of the story of Meteor Man, but we got to talk a little bit about the production of Meteor Man and the release of it too. So it only got a 25% from Rotten Tomatoes when it was released. Obviously, Rotten Tomatoes wasn't around then, but that just goes to show most of the reviews were pretty negative. Did you have any memory of the reception of the movie, Mike, when it came out? Or like when you're a kid, you don't really care about that though. There's I mean, really listen, everybody memory in yep.
2: school saw so it so it was a hit so right. it was a hit no. in school yeah.
0: yeah there's so many movies like that that I start finding out didn't make money when I'm researching for this podcast that I remember all of our friends like enjoying it and thinking we're the best so it's really not something that kids concern themselves with but I, I have to wonder what caused the movie to fail And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. but I got got some theory. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into that. It really was the first movie focused on a black superhero. Yes, it was. And that's probably got something to do with why it wasn't as big of a hit, because Hollywood is slow to change sometimes. Yeah, it's (laughs) a foreign concept. I mean, it took until pretty recently. Blade was probably the first movie that got good reviews and made a little money. And it didn't even get good reviews. It got okay reviews. But, you know. It's even just in the last five years, it's really started to become more of a viable model. The Blade movies star Wesley Snipes, but they're not centered around the Black identity like Meteor Man was, right? Right. It's more about the vampire thing than it is about the Black thing. Yeah, he's, he's a black actor playing a superhero, but it's not right. the focal point of the movie. So, yet Blank Man, Steel, Spawn, and Blade came in the five years after this, and only Blade made any bit of money. Spawn might have made a tiny bit of money, but people hated that movie. Like, it got slammed in the reviews. Yeah, I was a so, big
2: Spawn fan. I wasn't a fan of the movie, though. It was, it was too dark.
0: Yeah, and, and then John Leguizamo playing Clown. Yeah, it was, was kind of silly. They had the animated show on HBO that was really good. I don't that know if you ever check that out. That yeah, show was good. I really like that show. Now, Townsend named character jefferson reed after his favorite teacher from childhood which is kind of so nice sweet, and then marvel comics even went far enough to, as to make a six issue miniseries titled meteor man that they released around the same time as the movie to try to build up hype for it i, I guess i didn't even know
2: that yeah i don't know or if you can go.
0: find them anymore it might be collector's items at this point you're
2: probably on stock x or
0: something
2: yeah <laughs> everything's on stock x man
0: yeah but who knows what you're gonna get when you order it
2: So, listen, shout out to StockX.
0: As far as what Townsend's been doing since then, he's been writing and directing a lot of TV movies. He had one more theatrical release that he directed after this, which was Baps. Do you guys remember Baps? He did Baps? Yeah, he directed Baps. I
2: didn't even know that.
0: Another bomb. Yeah. That was one of Halle Berry's first big
2: roles. I remember that movie. It was a big rollout, but it didn't really hit. It didn't really hit.
0: Now, I haven't seen it probably 20 years, but it uh, might be coming up in an episode someday because it was a big bomb. So let's talk about these uh, reboot rumors. He... Hinted in a May 2018 interview with WRUG Media that he was open to rebooting it, and then he expanded on that in a 2018 interview with Shondaland and said, if I was doing Meteor Man now, somebody says a reboot, I see life so different. It's magical and funny, but right now the times have changed. I would add different layers to it. Here's the thing, I really like Luke Cage and Black Lightning. As a matter of fact, I'm directing an episode and I'm on that show this season. I think that I love what they're doing because they're taking their platform of superhero, but they're also using it to infuse communities through the airwaves. They're saying some really powerful stuff. Yes, it's superheroes and all of that, but at the end of the day they're sending those beautiful messages that will uplift people. So, he seems interested in maybe redoing Meteor Man and obviously taking it in another direction. Would you be there opening day, Mike? Fuck
2: no. <laughs> what? <laughs> maybe if it was a maybe if it was a TV show. I can't. I'm not a real big fan of like reboots and, and, and such, you know what I mean? Especially with the original Media Man is so I'm not going to say it's so important. I don't want to put no extra dramatics on it, but Media Man, you know what I mean? Media Man got a place in my heart. Don't come messing up Media Man,
0: bro. You must be having a tough time of it then because it feels like everything that comes out now as a reboot or no, this one some kind of
2: reboot. This is what I'm trying to tell you. I, listen, I, gotta, I feel a certain way about Hollywood. I think they lazy. You know what I mean? It's a lot of reboots and it lacks originality. So I'm not really watching as much movies as I used to because I feel like it's a lot of pandering going on. You know what I mean? So I ain't really with the reboot. There is good stuff out there, but a lot of it just doesn't get released to theaters anymore. So you really have to
0: dig for it to find the good stuff that's out there. And a lot of times it's made for like no money. So they don't really market a lot and stuff just gets released on streaming now. And it kind of disappears if you don't yeah. already look for it. It's so really hard to know. No, I trust y'all to put me. Up. All right. <laughs> I take that seriously.
1: A lot of this show, sadly, is us talking about movies or movies that we haven't talked about, but that are in our list that are not the reboots, right? The times when people took chances on original stories, but the public doesn't know how to do anything with those anymore they can't rock it if it's not another Avenger so it's uh, kind of the sad story of not that some of these movies fail under their own merits as well but like you see why Hollywood learns the lessons go oh movies are hard original ideas are even harder and Mm -hmm. then we lose money so we should uh, just stay away from that and think about how
0: many movies that would have like something that would have gotten made as a movie in 2002 or 95 or even 2012 now as a mini series or even a recurring series on some streaming service because they just need content. So they're like, fuck it, we'll stretch it out to eight episodes. And then maybe we can come back to it in a couple of years if people like it. It's replenishing the content machine. (laughs) And movies aren't good for that because they're two hours and then they're gone.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's like the art, slacking the art. I I don't know. I think it's too money driven. Everybody's thinking about the dollar and not so much the art anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, you see this A24 is like one of the only big indie studios giving people money to try different stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how it bounces back. I think there's going to be a boom period now with movies where everyone's going to want to go to the movies just because they were stuck inside for so long. So maybe we can get some different movies made and successful in this kind of six month span
2: we're going to have. And if that pays off, maybe we'll see a little bit of a course correction, I hope. I think we might see a bunch of bullshit come out that they filmed during COVID. So watch out for that. Oh Yeah.
1: yeah. And then we're going to see what lessons we learn because so far it's just the big noisy blockbusters that are actually succeeding and the known quantities that are able to rake in the post-COVID dollars. And Mm. it, it might actually squash some of the other more creative independent type of pictures but you know what i'm an indoor person so like as long as they come on streaming uh, i'm okay i just Get on my couch Most and watch movie theaters
0: it. are indoors, I think. Are you saying? <laughs>
1: you have to. Yeah, I would yeah, require yeah. like a tunnel to get there. So. Okay. I guess <laughs> okay.
0: I'm just being a dick. So, when the movie opened, it only it made 2.6 million its opening weekend. It opened the same weekend as The Fugitive, but I don't think it's really taking money. Like, The Fugitive's not taking money from Meteor Man. It's not a lot of audience overlap with that. You got to be like 42 years old to appreciate The Fugitive. So, That's nobody true. was. And then Free Willy was already three weeks old, but that more than doubled Meteor Man's opening weekend take. Yikes. Robin Hood Men in Tights was one week old and did better still. That might have taken some of the audience, because I think that was PG. It might have been PG-13. I'd have to double check. And then Jurassic Park had been in theaters almost two months and still took in over $5 million, beat Meteor Man that weekend after two months out. So that's the movies I saw as competition for Meteor Man that weekend that maybe took some of the shine away. But, you know, it didn't have any movies opening that week that would have been direct competitors. It was just the the layovers. I guess stuff had more of a a lengthy theatrical run back then. You don't really see these type of numbers
2: for movies that have been out for that long anymore. I mean, let's think about it. man. You go up to them. This is nice. So it's not like you just pull your phone out. You probably got to call a number and people probably didn't even get to Meteor Man before they made their Decision like the fugitives at 10 a.m. Jurassic Park at 1015. Like, all right, we're gonna pick one of these and that's that. they probably buried media man. You know what I mean? Brought me back to the movie phone days. So I mean <laughs> the competition makes a sense because if from out of those, out of those movies, nobody's gonna go with the black superhero in '93. Let's be real.
0: So now we'd like to talk about why we think the movie failed. So I mean that kind of ties
2: into what you were just saying. So you want to give us some of your theories on that, Mike? That's it. I think it failed because it didn't have the appeal back then to anybody other than the Black community, the hip-hop community. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it, it reached the masses like it, like it could have today because people weren't maybe a, as accepting of the culture then as they are now. Right. Where we see hip-hop culture is huge now. Right. So people might give it a run just because it, it has hip hop influences nowadays. Whereas then hip hop wasn't really hip-hop, may may have been frowned upon at that time. So it wasn't a big draw. And you think about who was in the movie, like Naughty by Nature had radio
0: hits for sure.
2: Yeah, um, Big Daddy Kane, like what?
0: But then like Cypress Hill's not a family-friendly rap group at all. No. Nah, <laughs> I mean Cypress Hill is not a draw. Cypress Hill's not a draw for this audience. But you look at even like Black Panther, and that movie did huge and it, it got Great reviews, made tons of money, but think about they even introduced that character in how many other movies.
2: Yeah, they, they gave him a little head start. He had
0: like, yeah, he had a lead time to connect with the audiences first. And yeah, Hollywood was just in a different place. Hollywood is slow as shit to adjust to demographic changes and correct their biases. So. This was really like a self-made movie. Robert Townsend really put himself out on the limb, and I, I think you're right. He was just too early. Yep. He just got in too early, and he couldn't connect at that time. Ian, what, what do you think?
1: I don't disagree with any of what you guys are saying. It just there was no platform to to make this movie mainstream. Whereas today, like you're saying, Mike, there would be more interest in it on its own merits. To go really wide to a wide audience back then, all Townsend could really count on was going straight for a black audience and then hoping that he could start to cross over. But he just didn't have the like. Who was backing this? How, who could help him compete and go really big with it? I can't see how. I mean, he yeah, MGM.
0: It yeah, I wonder what the marketing budget was. They never released those numbers. I wonder yeah. if they really pushed this movie and tried to make it a success, or if they felt like for whatever yeah, reason, yeah, you know they it, didn't believe that could
1: happen. They weren't. Yeah, to. like Black Panther, even in what we think of as modern day and age, even the success of that, people went, whoa, I didn't realize that you could do that. It could be that big and that widely loved and make that much money. And that blew people's minds in Hollywood now. So they weren't even close to ready to having their minds blown back then.
2: Yeah.
0: I can't say for sure, but I would bet money that MGM lowballed him on the marketing budget for this movie. I don't did think you see the trailer? Like it. The trailer was horrible. Yeah, it was. It was not a good trailer. It horrible. Was, I always <laughs> try to watch the trailers before recording because that matters. Think about how you pick what movies you want going to see, especially for back sure. then. The trailer is all you have to go on. There was not a lot of internet It told you nothing. Yeah. It was just like, we got Robert Townsend, you know what I mean? We got shit blowing up. We got, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was very low effort, so <laughs> I think the marketing did him dirty. And again, you can't just blame the marketing, just Hollywood as a whole was is a backward ass town and was not ready to really embrace this yet. And it sucks for him because he had a really admirable goal with this movie and he clearly put a lot of work into it. I mean, it seems like all his movies, he's like the writer, the director, the star, the producer. He's doing every job he can to get these movies made and it didn't connect with the audience, but I'm glad to see it living on and finding an audience because it's worthwhile,
2: man. I, I really had a good time with it. You know what tripped me out? How this movie wasn't available anywhere to be sure. Stream in this thing. Like, what's the process to get a movie on stream? Nobody's streaming media, man?
0: I mean, MGM's still in business. So, like, usually when you run up against uh, movies not being available on streaming, it's something weird. Like, the company that owned the rights isn't around anymore. So, no one knows who to go to to buy it. But this, that's not the case here. As far as I can tell, it's still, MGM's still out
2: there. I couldn't even find it on YouTube. Nobody even put in the effort to rip it to put it on YouTube. Like, what's going on? you got to respect Media Man. This is right. going to get crazy now.
0: I don't want to say I torrented it, but uh, I know
2: it's out there, but I shouldn't have to go to the dark web to find Media Man.
1: <laughs> like, no, you're right. <laughs> that's like, disrespecting Robert Townsend. Like, for as you much as me? he's. Like, yeah, how come he's not out there campaigning to get his... I like Hollywood Shuffle's on Amazon Prime Video, so at least we can get that. Hollywood right.
2: Shuffle's a cult classic as well as... Five heartbeats. So those are going right. to get run. Those get like five heartbeats on network television. I, I Media about- man can't get no play. No, nah. It's, who I got to talk to? Man. It's nowhere. I don't know. That's- get God on the phone. Man.
0: I was happy to finally understand <laughs> what the five heartbeats were because if you were a hip hop fan in the early 2000s, you remember Joe Budden would always call G Unit the five heartbeats, and I never understood what he was talking what? about. What? <laughs> you never heard him do
2: that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how you ain't know what the hell he was talking about. Oh man. no, I was like, yeah, I don't know who
0: that is. So There's I a lot was of like, five- oh ball. shit, this,
2: this is a Kendrick Lamar ball. Where he references a scene in the five heartbeats. Yeah. Research for this podcast.
0: On his latest album,
2: up. as a matter of
1: fact.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you I know, guys,
1: nights like these, we all wish raindrops would fall.
0: Mm-hmm. There it is. I get that reference now. See? Yes You see? See? (laughs) Classic shit, right there. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Do what you have to do to keep Blast Zone on your podcast feed. Follow Mike. He's on YouTube. He's on TikTok. He's on Instagram. He's on Twitter. We'll put his ads in the episode notes. He's very funny. I appreciate y'all. Real talk.
1: Thanks for being with us, Mike. It was great to have you. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next week on the Blast Zone. See you next time in the Blast Zone. The Blast Zone. (laughs)